Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus. All right. Good seeing you guys. Well, take your Bibles, turn to Malachi, the Italian prophet. Malachi chapter 3. Uh, and while you're turning there, um, we do have, we have 61 people who have pre-registered for the School of Ministry. Isn't that exciting? And um, man, we, that, that's, a, that's an incredible number for us. We feel like the Lord's on it. And uh, you guys probably know, if you guys weren't here last week, you know we love the Passion Translation, even though I have right in front of me the King Jimmy, but uh, King James uh, new King James uh, version, and uh, but we'll have Brian Simmons with us in our school of ministry, uh, and he'll be doing a conference. He's the one who wrote the Passion Translation, and so what a what a treat that is, right? And so um, I just told his admin, like, man, just have him bring bring the word, and I uh, heard he's a phenomenal teacher, and so he'll be with us on Friday night. All day Saturday, Sunday morning, and then uh, three hours in the school of ministry, uh, just ministering. So we're going to go after impartation, all of it, right? And so we're going to have a lot of fun with that. We have Bobby Connor coming in May. That's super, well, you know. Um, so he's super excited. He just shot me an email yesterday. He said, I'm excited to be with you guys. You know, so then they took care of some details, you know, like, where do I send my books? And so... Um, I have, I have to get over to Caitlin, but uh, that's good to hear from him. He's, he's pumped. He's excited, and, um, and it's good to have, where did Bob go? Bob, are you here? Bob Brennan's here. You guys know Bob? And uh, he must be kind of incognito today because he's wearing his hat, and uh, so yeah, yeah, but we want to recognize you, Bob. Bob is a dear friend of ours, dear friend of Convergence, and he and Nancy have just been a blessing to us, and so, is Nancy here? Nancy, hi. You guys, put your hand up. There's Nancy. All right. So I saw someone next to Bob, and it wasn't Nancy. So I had to scan a little bit, and then there she is. Wow. What a treat, both you guys. So uh, he says, I'm coming to the Bobby Connor conference. So that's awesome. So we have connections all over the world. And let me just say, one hour of sleep, you know, losing one hour of sleep is nothing when you do fly to the Philippines and you lose 16. Do you know what I'm saying? But there's something about that hour, isn't there? Isn't there? Yeah, all right. So you guys are here. Kind of. It's, it's the same way every year. Every year. It's just kind of like that one hour, man. It's, just, it's great in the fall because you sleep in one more hour. The worship is off the charts. Everyone's fired up, you know, and all that. The one hour behind is kind of like, man, you guys out there. So... Uh, also, we have Georgian next week. I don't know if you guys know who Georgian Banov is. Uh, Georgian's been part of the Revival Alliance, really is what it's called. Um, and that's an alliance that they've made, a group that they made with uh, Bill and Benny and uh, John and Carol and Not and, and Cheon and, and his wife and, and um, Georgian and I think it's Winnie, his wife, Georgian and his wife. And uh, yeah, so that conference next weekend, I mean, this was, this was the... Uh, this weekend was kind of like the, what did I call it, the, the lull, be the whatever before the storm, you know, like the calm before the storm, and the storm in a good way. 
So next weekend is going to be so full. Uh, we're going to have our conference. I think Patricia King is speaking Friday night. I didn't know that the nights were free. Wow, that's true? The nights are free? Did I catch that video right? Wow. Do not miss Friday night or Saturday night. Don't miss the whole thing. I mean, go to the conference, right? But if you can't, for whatever reason, uh, hit the night services. And uh, so that would be fun. And then George is going to be with us on Sunday morning. And so, uh, and he has a real cool message on sonship. And so um, I, want to, I want to make sure he, well, I give him liberty, but I'm going to tell him to preach on sonship. But he has, all, he has liberty to preach whatever he wants, but I'm going to tell him to speak on sonship. And uh, out of Romans chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. So um, I think that's it. We have, did I tell you we have 61 people? I did, didn't I? Wasn't that amazing? I'm still thinking about that. I guess I'm still thinking about that. Did I say Malachi? All right, Malachi chapter 3. And uh, this is our last week on stewardship. And so for some of you guys, um, we can't hear it enough. And for some of you who are new to giving to the Lord, um, we just pray that, that the Lord just lands truth into our, all of our hearts. And uh, I just had some really just kind of fun revelation this morning around uh, this particular passage. And so I wanted to share it with you guys. And then I do want to, I know I said last week or a couple weeks ago, I want to get to the question. So um, hold me to it. So if it's 12.15 and I haven't got to the questions yet, just put your hand up. All right, and say get to those questions. All right, so and I am going to try and honor the time, and I'm publicly holding myself accountable. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm doing. I'm talking out loud and trying to hold myself accountable. All right, so Malachi chapter three. Um, why do we talk about stewardship? Why do we talk about finances? Because Jesus did, and and the Bible does. In fact, over 25% of what Jesus talked about, the words in red, if you have a red letter edition, New Testament, our Bible, is about stewardship. So stewardship is, is super important to our Heavenly Father. And it, needs to be, it really needs to be important to all of us as well. So um, some people ask me, what does tithe mean? I didn't even know. You know I mean, I didn't know that people didn't know. Tithe means tenth. Right, so, so tithe is actually ten percent. That's that's what it means. And when we tithe, it's an act of worship. It's not a separation of worship. It, it is worship. So when we give, we're not we're just not. It's not a business transaction that we're. It's a relational choice as an act of worship. Does that make sense? All right. So, Malachi chapter three, and um, we talked a little bit about this last week, and I want to focus really on on verse. I think it's verse ten. Um, and, and just talking about the promises of giving. It says, in tithes and offerings, he's talking about them being under a curse, which is not good news. Uh, and we talked about that last week. The whole nation was because they're robbing God, which is never good news. Um, but then he says, test me in this, says the Lord. Now, it's the only place in Scripture where we see the words test, testing the Lord he tells us to test him only in the area of our, of our finances, our stewardship, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates 
of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough to store it. How many are, are like, um, would vote for the blessings of God to be not just coming at you, but coming at you like a flood? Right? So, so when we read the word, either the word of God is true or it's not. And if it's not true, then, then, then step out of Christianity and talk to, you know, at some point reconnect with the Father. But if it is true, then we, it has to be 100% true. So on that, I'm, and I'm just telling you, like, that's the kind of person I am. I'm either all in or all out. And when I gave my heart to Jesus, I was all in. No, there was no hesitation. I, I was encountered by the love of God. There was no turning back. There was, there was a transformation in my heart. I don't know about any of you. But when I got saved, I got saved. All right, let's try it again. I know it's, I know it's that when I got saved, I got saved. Is there a witness? Also, is there a witness? All right. I had a lot of coffee this morning because I lost an hour of sleep. So, so remember, in the Old Testament, you know, everything, your wealth was tied to agriculture. You know, they didn't have, the, we didn't hit the industrial age. We didn't hit the technology age. Everything was, everything was, was based on crops. And when we talked about, when we're talking about the floodgates, really what, what that actually means is that the needed rain came. In other words, um, the wealth of the nation, the wealth of a particular person was tied to the, the farmland or the land that they occupied and they grew their food. And so what we're seeing here is the promise to the Lord is that if you step into this place of stewardship, I will throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out the needed rain, so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. To store what? To store the crops. So not only does, is, is the Lord, a, is, is the Father um, good, the Father is generous. And when this first hit me, I mean, years and years ago, because I know I look young, but, but it was years ago, um, I always felt like um, I'll have someone else pay the bills of the church. Because, because I was always taught in my life that um, God's not broke and God doesn't need your money. But what just happened was I cut myself off from his supply. So in terms of like withholding, that's true that the Lord, he'll figure out how to get it done because he's God. But what I did is I was literally holding back through my lack of giving, right? I was living under a closed heaven where there was a lot of... a lot of toil, right? There's a lot of work. There's a lot of worry. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of, there was no peace. There was no, and I was a poor college student. And I paid for my own education. So yes, I took out student loans. Yes. Not as much as what I hear people taking out now. But I didn't know any better. 
So I was studying to be a pastor, taking out student loans to get the job done. Does that make sense? So it wasn't until I got, I don't know, I got encountered by God, I guess. Sometimes when you don't have a whole lot, you can just give it all. Anyway, okay, it's early morning. I mean, it's daylight savings. I get it. So I just did. And again, I did not know that around the corner, you know, half my tuition's paid, half my room and board is paid. You know, maybe it was 20000 a year. It was cut down to ten in three months. Now, I could have kept it in my pocket, and the Lord would have seen it all taken care of, but I began to live under a ceiling. You guys all right? Oh, boy. What I'm trying to say, there's some really good news for us. Right? Even for those of us who have been tithing for years, we can increase that and open up portals. Not just, I'm just not talking about financially, I'm talking about the true riches as well. There's something about stewardship that gets God's attention. So here's the promise. The promise is, test me and I will. Test me and I will open. Test me and you will have an open heaven. Test me in this. I could do that. I could at least try for six months. And me being an all or nothing guy, if I'm like, if I can give Jesus my life and trust him with my eternity, it doesn't make sense for me to withhold something that is rightfully his anyway. This didn't make sense. So I just went for it. Boom. And then I met Wendy, the true riches. Oh, that's, a, that's some huge points right there. Yeah, Jesus. Verse 11. So I will throw open the floodgates and I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord. Wow. I will open and I'll prevent. I will open and I'll prevent. Man, when I hold back, something's always going wrong in the house. Washer and dryer goes out. Refrigerator goes out. This happens, that happens. What am I talking about? When I come out of the covering of the Lord's blessing, I step into here in this particular portion of Scripture, it's, it's pests that are devouring the crops. So now I've taken myself out of covering and now I've, I've stepped into something where I'm not covered and here comes the devourer. So not only, not only am I not living here, I'm actually losing more. And I, I don't have access to the true riches and on top of that, I don't know how I can petition the Lord. Right? I don't know how to do it. I've struggled with this. How, how, do I, how do I say, help, when the Lord is like, have you been faithful with what I've given you? 
No, but help anyway. And then he puts his finger on it, doesn't he? He'll put his finger on it, and you say, I can't. That's why I'm screaming for help. I am worried. I am stressed out. (laughs) I'm worried. I am stressed out. And the Lord wants us to come under covering. And it does not mean you're not tested in covering. I could tell you. It doesn't even mean that when you're under covering, you don't lose your job. Because you might. But the Lord always has something up his sleeve. Always. That's why it says his ways are higher. And so for me, it's all about, this is, this is what the Lord is, this is going to be such great revelation, you guys are going to just write it down, talk about it all week. Here it is, belief. And I'm reading through Galatians, and it's talking about sonship, it's talking about the law and the difference between the two and I'm telling you, the word in the middle is belief. And so we have something in our kitchen, because Wendy has stuff, like, kind of everywhere. Beautiful stuff. <laughs> everywhere. And above, we have this, uh, what do you call those blind things, right? But it has like a piece that comes out, so it drops down over your window. I don't know what it's called. It's a thing. And so we have a wooden, a wooden uh, cutout. It says belief. Now, you can have something in your house for so long you never see it. That makes sense? I mean, you never see it. You just, you just do life and someone says, yeah, I really like what's on the top of your refrigerator. Oh, I didn't know it was there. Thank you. Thank you. I'd never seen it. And I don't know how long it's been there, probably 14 years, 10 years, seven years, five years, five years, five months, five days, five hours. Okay, eight years. And I I looked in the kitchen because I'm studying early in the morning. Look in the kitchen, there's the word. Belief. It really comes down to that. Do you believe? Paul's argument in Galatians is, did you receive the Holy Spirit by the things you did? No, you believed. Believe and trust are the same things. Believe and have faith are the same things. It's belief. And again, I'm a fairly black and white person. And so that simply means, do I believe God or not? And so the Lord is really, do I believe that windows of heaven will be opened in this provision? And do I believe that that the Lord, when I step in, that means the devourer steps out and the Lord's guarding me. He's guarding my wife. He's guarding my children. And here's what's important to me as you get older. You want to leave a legacy. 
What's a legacy? An inheritance is what you leave to someone. A legacy is what you leave in someone. And I want to leave something. I want to leave as much as I can in my kids. I want them to know that dad believed. I want them to see that dad trusted. Now, I don't know if that's, I'm not trying to impose my convictions on you. I'm just saying this is how I live. Because I live for generations. I don't live for, for Greg. I live for my children, as well as, you know, not just my kids. But, but I want to pass it on to my kids, and I want to pass it on to my grandkids. And if the Lord should tarry, my grandkids' kids. So it's really important that I finish strong. It's important for me to finish strong because I know a lot of people who haven't. I want to finish strong. I want to finish the race. I want the Lord to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want, I want to live in this place where I know that he can entrust me with much through eternity because this is just a small little slice of how I'm going to rule and reign after this life. Same with you. Oh, come on, you guys. Questions? Almost there. So he's going to prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vine in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's, before it's ripe. I love even the detail of that. And here, listen to this. The last promise is this. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And all the nations will call you blessed. Why? Because they will have seen the generosity and the hand of the Lord on that nation. And still, there's nations that call Israel blessed and there's nations that curse Israel. And you know, there was a book someone gave me years and years ago well, years ago. It's called The Israel Test. And that book's just about, really, it's about nations that are jealous of that nation. And because they're jealous, they want to take out the nation. It's the test. But I want you to grab the Lord's heart. I mean, this is an Old Testament revelation. He does want to bless you. And he does care about all of our finances. So when we give to the Lord, we live under that open heaven. Wow. I I believe it. Hopefully you guys believe it. Half of you. Say amen. Amen. I know it's daylight savings. You can just just go ahead and post this. uh, Acts chapter 11. You can just write this down, 27 through 30. What a phenomenal portion of scripture. A group comes in from Jerusalem to Antioch, and this is really great news from a prophet. There's a famine coming. And the dude's name was, which was, it, was it Agabus? Everyone say Agabus. Don't, I never heard anyone call their kid that, but. Yeah, praise God, right? And he said, he said, there's a, there's a great famine coming. 
throughout all the world, all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar, then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren. There's a famine coming. Let's sow into the supernatural. That's how the ecclesia thought. So let me get to these real practical questions. And I have five minutes. I'm trying to hold to it. In fact, worship team, why don't you just come on up? Just one person. See, that's going to hold me to it. See, the music starts playing. I know it's like, okay, it's time to make the transition. And these are super, super, for, for some of you been around for a long time, you have, you'll have the answers to these. So where should my tithes go? Well, Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes in the storehouse so that there may be food in my temple. So we bring the, the wherever your spiritual family is, that's the place where you should put your tithe. Wherever you call home. And so... Um, I'm going to avoid some of those things I want to talk about. Number two, do I tithe off the net or the gross? It's really gross to tithe, you know, off the net. (laughs) Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your, all your increases, all your increases. So if I, if I speak somewhere, and they give me an honorarium, I tithe off it. I just give to the Lord as, as, as a steward that says, thank you. This is not mine anyway. So of all my increase, because I don't want my heart to be stingy. Because the Father's not stingy. Oh, you guys. I'm just going to keep going. Does the government, our government, tax you on the gross or the net? I think God deserves more. Who's going to fund the ecclesia? I want you to think about that for a moment. Who's going to fund God's government? It's funded by God's people. That's the way he's designed it. It's funded by God's people. And it's, it's funded by God's people who love God, who actually give to the Lord. It's not, a, it's, not a something that's, it's not a deduction that's taken out of someone's paycheck. Some, some cultish people do that. Take 10% right on out. And if you don't, if you miss a month, they'll call you. That's not love. Get all right? Our dollars are soldiers. If I took, I made sure I had a $20 bill today. Well, I actually didn't. I went to the store yesterday and got $20 cash back. You ever do that? It's way better than going to the bank. I was looking at this this morning, and it says, wow, on the American dollar bill on every coinage, it says, in God we trust. And my prayer is like, why can't believers trust you as much as our government? At least they print it. 
At least it's a foundation. So when we give, we fund the ecclesia. We fund the government of God. Our dollars are soldiers. We send them into action to advance the kingdom. The beautiful thing about here is that we have no mortgage. Isn't that cool? That means all, ministry, all money goes to ministry, not to, a, not to a mortgage payment. Oh, you guys. Yeah, we can say amen to that. Most, most churches budget 35% of their, of their money to go into a mortgage. We can use that 35% and invest it in ministry. That's what we do. We invested in ministry. Number three. (laughs) This is the quietest. How can I believe in, I believe in tithing, but how can I practice it when I'm in debt? Well, let me just give you my humble opinion about that. Thank you for the music, especially on this one. Debt, in many ways, is the enemy's way of trying to get Christians or hinder us from receiving or giving to the Lord. When you begin to tithe, you begin to break the stronghold of the enemy over your finances. It doesn't, it wouldn't hurt to get some some Christian credit type counseling as well. Nothing wrong with that. Listen to Dave Ramsey. Get some ideas on how, to, how money works. But I refuse to let debt control my destiny financially. And I would encourage you. I, don't, I, like, I, I want to be sensitive in the moment. I want to be sensitive to the fact that sometimes we lose our job and we put things on credit cards. and like I, I want to be sensitive to that kind of thing. But I refuse to let debt take preeminence over, over my obedience as a steward to the Lord. Because when I allow debt to take control, I just move Tobiah into the storehouse. And the greatest financial partner, I cut off the greatest financial partner, the most creative and the greatest financial partner that ever lived, the uncreated. If God is for us, who could be against us? How can I tithe when I have nothing left after my bills are paid? Well, here's what I do. I tithe first. If I tithe at the end, I probably won't tithe. But if I tithe first... Now I've partnered myself with the Holy Spirit and let the Lord work. So I just give first. And when I give, I offer a declaration when I give. I just say, I'm sowing this into the kingdom. I'm under an open heaven. I believe, Father, that you're going to meet every one of my financial needs. And I just trust him. 
Been doing that for a long time. And believe it or not, I used to be a young married. And I used to be single. And I used to have little kids. They're all grown up now. In fact, we're almost like, we're like kind of like empty nesters. That's a weird feeling. Anyone empty nesters? Put your hand up, man. Isn't that kind of weird? You might be used to it now. For me, it was kind of weird. Kind of weird. Because Jordan just moved out. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. I just made an announcement. Here's one. We have just, uh, we're just married and we have barely enough to live on. How do we tithe? How can we tithe? Well, my statement to you is how can you afford not to tithe? To neglect the greatest partner in life is to disregard the greatest provider. That's why it says, that's why Jesus, that's why the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount, that's why Matthew 6 says, don't be anxious. Look at the sparrow, look at the trees, look at, look how the Father takes care of that. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be added. That means with this too. Here's what I'm zealous for. This is another thing I'm zealous for. I'm, I'm zealous for Ecclesia. You guys know that. I'm zealous for the government of God. I believe this is what he's doing on the planet. But in order for us to take care of the poor, we can't be broke. In order to shelter the broken, we can't be broke. Do you understand like just the rationale part of that? I'm not talking about convergence. I'm just talking about believers all around the world. What, what could happen if we could begin fully funding these things? You know, 20% supports 80%. That's kind of the rule of thumb. The rule of thumb is called the 2080 principle. So 20% of people who give support 80% of the ministry. What if he had 100%? I mean, just think about it for a moment. I mean, no, no, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not trying to hype you up. I just want you to think about it for a minute. Because it really zeroes in on what we're zealous for. It really zeroes in on what we really care about. I'm letting you in on how I think. Like if I really cared about the kingdom, I would so into the kingdom. If I really cared about it. For myself and beyond myself. What would happen? I think it's, I think, I think it's like 2%. Like 2% of, I don't know, the average people who give, they give like 2.5%. For those who don't know the Lord, they give 2.6%. For those who know the Lord, they give 2.5%. Wow, what if everyone gave 10? Just 10. Live. I could do, the Lord could do way more with my 90% than I could do with my 100% which is not even mine anyway. Man, tough crowd today. I'm teasing you. I totally love you guys. It's the best church ever. I mean, ever. Sorry, Bob and Nancy, you're somewhere else, but 
in Anaheim, but Convergence is the best ecclesia ever. Three more questions. I have begun to tithe several times and I failed to keep it up. Shall I try again? Uh, yes. I won't even go. I, that's it. You just, if you forget to pray one day, anyway. If you get to read your Bible one day, or we, whatever, you get back on your feet, right? Can I count as my tithe money that goes to good causes outside the church? I call that offerings. So when a guest speaker comes here, me and Wendy write a check, it's an offering. It's above my tithe. If I'm going to go to an event that's at Convergence, I don't deduct it from my tithe. That event costs 100 bucks, so I'm going to deduct 100 bucks from my tithe. Now you move into business transactions. So I bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. Uh, number eight, this actually happened. This is actually more common than we care to admit, but how can I tithe when my husband or my wife doesn't believe in it? We had a woman that was super, super faithful. She moved. She went to the, lives in the Midwest now. And so her husband was not saved, didn't believe in tithing. I'm not about, didn't even believe in giving. You know, I'm not about like causing that kind of a friction just submission and covering and all that. But she did ask him, on the proceeds that I make, can I tithe? That's the right, that's the right process. I think that's important because it shows honor and at the same time. And then her husband said, yes, go ahead. So sometimes we'll have the wife who will give out the proceeds that she's made and give that to the Lord as a as, as that's her tithe. That makes sense? So where do I begin? Well, let me just say this. Begin somewhere. For me, I'm an all or nothing person. So I said that a hundred times, but this is why I'm wired. So we give above 10% easily. But you might want to start at 2% or 1% or 3% or 6%. For some of you, tithe 15%, whatever. Whatever it is, but start somewhere. You know it would be amazing if everybody here that called Convergence or Home gave? You can clap louder. It's true. Yes, I will go there. All right. It's, it's, it's hard for me to personally fathom that I could be part of a spiritual family and not support it. In, in something. Like, even if it's five bucks. Like, we pay PG&E. We pay a water bill. We pay staff. We pay for ministry. We pay for all these things that, that, we, that you all get to enjoy. I get to enjoy too. Let's all sew together. Kind of dries that consumerism out. Because we're a spiritual family. Look at the person next to you and say, you're family. If you're visiting, I guess you're family. Right? 
who we are. We're family. We chip in together. We run together. We give together. Now, I don't mean to step on any toes. I'm just saying that if I'm part of a spiritual family, this is my spiritual home. But for years, if I don't give anything financially, wow, I, I, I couldn't do it. Ah, drive me nuts. Like if I go to a conference and someone is up there, I'm giving something. I want to bless. I want to see what the Lord does. And I can tell you, you know, we moved here from Oregon. Oregon. Wow. On faith. So I think I know what I'm talking about. Wendy had the gift of faith. I did not have it initially. I was riding on the fumes of her faith. You ever done that? Sometimes one spouse has the faith and the other one just does it. And I'm Mr. Practical. How are we going to do it? I don't know. How are we going to do it? Oh, I had a hundred questions. When he's like, we should just do it because God said it. I'm like, you don't understand. She goes, no. You don't understand. Remember that sign that's above our kitchen? Yeah. It says believe. Sometimes believing is not as easy as you think it is, right? So we did it. And now we're in a building that cost us $8.3 million paid. Isn't that amazing? So in a lot of ways, like we're entrepreneurial because we're church. Church planted once. I was going to say church planters. We are not church. Don't mind planting churches. But anyway, the Lord would have to, I shouldn't have said that. He'll probably wake me up in the dream and have Gabriel there and everything. So tithing declares our faith. I'm wrapping it up. It declares that Jesus is Lord over all. And we have confidence to approach God. It positions us under the floodgates of heaven. Tithing brings us into the full promises of God. It destroys consumerism and greed. It destroys the all about me mentality. And it frees us into greater fullness and releases us into the true riches. And on the practical side, it supports ministry. And it actually allows the government of God to function in a region and around the world. Amen? Amen. All right, let's all stand. You're like, made it through that. Three weeks, we made it through. Man, I'm just, uh, I just see, I just want to see revival. I remember when I was in Pensacola, Florida. I, I know I'm dating you some, but when the revival was breaking out in Pensacola, you guys, how many people know about Pensacola, revival breaking out in Pensacola? Like, it was like four, nine, five nights a week. It was crazy, right? And I remember they had, a, they had a session for pastors. And so I went to it. 
And I think they said something like this. Do you realize how much it, how many rolls of toilet paper we go through in a week? That was, that was, that was really one of the things. And no one had any idea. He went, he said it was like over a thousand rolls of toilet paper in a week. See, we want the encounter, right? People are coming to be encountered by the Lord and you can, you can be a watering hole for the presence of the Holy Spirit. You still got to fund it, right? And that's where God's people fund God's government. Come on. And that's how, that's how we're going to, oh, anyways, enough. Take the hand of the person next to you. Would you, let's just, I just want to believe for, I want to pray for prosperity, but I just don't, I'm trying to like, I just want to pray for the kingdom to be expanded. Does that make sense? Like I want everyone in the room to prosper. And in, in the last three years, I've been seeing 555 and I believe that we have a double anointing that's resting on us in the natural and the spirit. Like I don't, and I, I don't, I, I can't quite figure that out. Um, I just know it's a God thing. And I know that everyone who's seen 555 a lot, God's, God's met him some way financially. And so we're not looking for that number. It's just popping up. You guys, I keep seeing it. I keep seeing it. Like I've been seeing it for three years. And every single time I see it, Holy Spirit comes. I hear that. I think of that word believe. And I just, I just let out a quick declaration. I just say, thank you, Jesus. I believe. And I'm not, I'm not believing just for Greg and Wendy. I'm believing for us. I mean, I pray every, virtually every morning for prosperity to land on you. I pray even for over the last three weeks, people are taking steps of faith. They're like, they're, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like they're writing that, they're writing that check or they're on push pay or whatever, but they're, it's this relationship with the Lord and they're saying, okay, I'm going to step into this. I understand that. I know what that feels like. I'm going to step into this. And my prayer covering for you is I go, God, meet them at their level of faith. Really, like meet them like you met me through all the fear, through all the stuff that we kind of go through, maybe they're reaching for 2%. Maybe they're reaching for 5%. Maybe they're going for 10%. God, I pray that you would just multiply and step into their place of actually trusting their Heavenly Father. And so I pray that over you. I declare that over you. For those who are taking those steps, those small steps into giving to the Lord, I pray, God, that you would meet their faith with provision. I pray, God, that even for those who, who are going to take it higher, God, meet our faith with provision. That you're not some stingy heavenly father who's got, who's got his hands in his pockets and doesn't want to provide. But, Lord, the provision is beyond us. The provision is that we can disciple nations. The provision is that, Lord God, the government of God is funded so that we can release heaven in a city and in a region. God, I pray that you would help us lift our eyes above our current situation. About our current, like, I just want to prosper. I can care less about the world. I just want to prosper. God, free us from that. In the name of Jesus, that may the the resources that come, Lord God, may it be used to fund things at home. But Lord God, to reach nations, to reach cities. God, for orphanages all over the world. Lord God, for homes, for trafficked people all over our region. God, help us to think beyond our current circumstances, our own lifestyles. 
we sow into the government of God. That's what I'm zealous for. You got to tell the energy coming off of me. That's really where I'm at. And so everybody contributes. Everybody gives. Everybody sows. And we just break off all the stuff, all the, all the unbelief, all the things that we've heard which has been so destructive, the manipulation that we see on TV, all the things that you just sow this and you get that and all, the, all that deceitful stuff, Lord God, we just nail it to the cross in the name of Jesus. We ask God that you would expose things that need to be exposed in the name of Jesus and God that you're coming after a pure bride without spot or wrinkle that's moving in righteousness and holiness and anointing. God, I pray that you would lift our vision higher. Lord, may, may you, we see the fields that are white under harvest. And that every single person here has a measure that they can use to give to advance the gospel. And we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. God, I pray for every church in our city, every church in the Silicon Valley, in this region. God, I pray that you would prosper them in every way. And Lord, let this just be a simple gateway into the true riches. The true riches. The true riches. The the declarations that we declare are real. We would find money. Not so we can hoard it. We'd find money. These things, these things that you want to give us, open the floodgates in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Cool. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.